think for the rest of us, we don't really need an introduction. But just the thought of Juliet preaching this morning, um, just it's always humbling just to think of Juliet. Because for many of us, or for myself, I like to intellectually think about things and think, wow, imagine this or imagine that. And Juliet is just about just getting down and doing things. Her life um, is not sometimes just trying to seek God. She just does it and lives it out. She lays down her life. So this morning, I want us to put our hands together as we welcome Juliet to the stage and come and share for us. I know, I know she doesn't like it, but to have someone like her in our midst just to walk it out is, is really encouraging. So I want you to, just with your heart, also just receive what, as she shares this morning. Thanks, Jock. <laughs> so as you can see, Gary, the storms. I'm speaking about the storms today. I'm very excited. There's... Uh, so much of the worship and the praise in line and the words that I got over the week from many of you, so in line with today. So I'm super excited to see what the Lord's going to do this morning. I'm excited for the word. I'm excited to listen to see what the Lord is going to do this morning. I have no idea and I'm excited. All right, go for it, Peter. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Okay, so this morning um, we're going to talk about the, the boat and waves and storms. And I am... Um, yeah, when I when I originally read this this verse in the, this chapter in the Bible, I often think of I definitely don't think of Jesus screaming that loudly to rebuke the waves. I kind of think he can just go stop and they listen. Um, that's obviously their own interpretation. But when I think of a storm, I, I generally when I read the Bible, it's quite a calm experience. The storm, and when I saw it visually, I was reminded that it was a storm that was scary, and my my closest. Um, encounter with the storm was when I went White River rafting in, in the States many years ago. Um, that, was, that, that is not me, but um, <laughs> that's what it felt like. 
And I must say, it, it was not what I expected. I thought it would be quite pleasant that the guy in charge would just navigate everything and then you're holding on for dear life. Um, I've never quite understood. I'm not a, an adventure seeker type. My personality type, especially for holidays, is lie on the bed and watch a movie. Um, and so I've often thought something like, this is seeking a storm. This is like a roller coaster ride, but you're intentionally getting into a rubber, blown up rubber boat and you're like heading for rapids and impending doom, possible. Um, so to me, a roller coaster ride is pretty similar. It's much safer in general, the statistics. Uh, you have a clamp over your body. It's all quite planned. Um, it's much cheaper generally. And you get the same thrill at the end of the day without the cuts and bruises and bleeding and sore everything. So yes, clearly I'm not an adventure seeker. This is more my idea of a holiday, um, and yet you add a storm to that, and then not so much. Um, if you were to give me a free ticket to go on a cruise, I would still go. I, I, would, not, I would not deny you the pleasure of uh, me using the ticket, but when I think of storms and I think of being on the sea, it does not excite me, and I think, especially for the disciples who clearly didn't have the faith in Jesus at that stage to know that he could calm the storm, it must have been pretty terrifying. So when we read a chapter like that and we kind of browse through it or, you know, read quickly through it, we go, well, it wasn't that bad. It was quick. But they were probably yelling and screaming and faces wet and then waking Jesus up. And that's been such a lesson to me that I think, how many times do we wait until the last minute that I'm not sure how Jesus could have slept in that. I think it was a bit intentional, like when parents are pretending to be asleep and uh, the child is trying to wake you up. Um, but I think he really wanted to teach them a lesson in that and, and kind of get to their own, the end of their own devices. And I think often we do that. We kind of, how long does it take before we, possibly our response is, Jesus, wake up, we're going to die. Don't you care? And I think it's pretty sad that we, we wait for that. And that's what the disciples did. I think they could have much sooner said to him, Jesus, there's a storm happening and we, we know that you've got a plan here. We know that you're in control the wind and waves will obey you. And so that is something I really want to strive towards in a healthy way, to, to be quick to run to Jesus and rather say, Jesus, wake up. I'm in a storm. Help me here. What is your take on this? What is your wisdom? How can you help me to not just survive this or ride the storm, but to thrive, to, to really do well in this? And so Mark 4.41 says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And I would think they've seen a lot of miracles already by this stage, the disciples. They've seen him reproduce bread. Please hold. I'll be with you shortly. He needs a plaster. There's one behind my desk if somebody wants to look for the first aid kit. Kids' church is wild this morning. Thanks. Um, and so you kind of think they've seen him do so many powerful, amazing miracles. And yet when they're in the boat in that stage, they still go, Jesus, help. And I think it's so true in my life too. I've seen Jesus come through so many times for me, so many miracles. And, I, you know, like when we go on missions or we pray and fasting, we're in the, on that high. We're like, we're just going to keep doing this forever. We're going to remember the things that the Lord has done. And then you get frustrated with something at work. Somebody in traffic does something inappropriate. 
And suddenly you're in that space of like, oh, Lord, where are you? Are you sleeping? Why are the heavens silent? And the Lord is never really sleeping. Um, we know that God is always awake and he's all powerful. And yet we as mere humans forget that sometimes and get a little bit freaked out first. So we know that Jesus can even calm the storms in our life that are emotional, that are relational, that are circumstantial. There's things that happen to us in life that we have no control over, but he's the same. He's there, he's able, and we can run to him with those things. We need each other. So this is something the Lord has given us community. And this is really what I want to remind you of today, that, that we need each other. And that I'm sure when the disciples got into that boat, we know from many different accounts in the Bible, the disciples didn't always get on. They had jealousy issues and who's going to sit the right hand of the Lord and who's going to be the greatest and who will be the least. Um, I'm sure they looked down on Judas after his act of, uh, well, rather large disobedience. Um, but I think that's something we, we forget, perhaps, that the disciples weren't always friends. And I sometimes think of it as they got in the boat and in an ideal world, Jesus would be at the helm going, row on one and two and three. And they're kind of, but they're fishermen. They're smelly. They're big guys. I'm sure they've got their own ideas. They've had their own boats, so they've got their own ways of doing things. I sometimes think the community house is a bit like that as well. Everybody's got their own personalities, their ways of stacking the dishwasher, um, of cleaning, of cooking, and they have chosen to live together and make it work. And, uh, and unity comes at a cost. Community comes at a cost, but it's worth it because we want to be in that boat. Just like the disciples, they weathered that storm, and I'm sure their lives were changed, and they doubted again, yes, but... There was a truth that was instilled in them that the Lord has power over the waves and the wind and the ocean, and that is incredible. Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes get, when I read that, I also get a bit surprised that Jesus was physically with the disciples, and yet they were still doubting and fearful, and we're going to die, and, and we are in the same situation often. We, we know through reading the word. We have the advantage. The disciples didn't have the Bible in those days to see that Jesus fulfilled all the promises that the prophets had written about him. But we do. We have the whole Bible. We can see who he is. We know through the Holy Spirit that God is with us at all times. And, and why do we still doubt? Why do we still get swept by every wave that comes and, and doubt? Lord, are you with us? Why are you sleeping? Can't you see? He's very much aware. He's with us. And there's, there's storms that he takes away, and there's storms that he holds our hand and says, I'm with you in this. There's, there's, if you've got a diagnosis of cancer or your family is struggling with something, we know that we, we still have to walk through that. Sometimes he heals miraculously, and sometimes it's on the other side of, in heaven only. We, we don't know all the answers to that, but he's with us, and that is most important, that he's in that boat, and we can wake him up and say, I need you now. And I find that difficult to do often. I think it's easier to run to friends and say, oh, this happened, it's horrible, pray for me. Um, but the Lord's really trying to teach me <laughs> that he's closer than a brother, closer than a friend, closer than my friends. They've got great wisdom. I have amazing friends. See you, Alice, see you. Um, but it really is, the wisdom from the Lord is actually going to get, get me a lot further and and a much healthier, sustainable life, if I can just dig into what he's got for me. I counted this year that I've been in ministry for 20 years. I'm that old, I know. Started when I was four. Um, at the, 
I mean, <laughs> why not start young? <laughs> and I just, I, I've seen so many people hurt in the church, and especially in ministry, because the idea is that if you work for a church office or you in full-time ministry, we're all in ministry. I think we know that in this church, in our industries that we're in. But I think there's just a sense that the church should be a safe space and it should be a place where we can be loved and welcomed and well-received all the time. And yet we forget that we're in the church too. Each one of us brings our own hurts, our own pains, our own expectations. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles is we bring an expectation from where we came from, where we were raised. Um, I was raised in a Presbyterian church. My friend Kate has come from there in PE. And um, I found it quite boring being in church growing up. But the truth that I learned was solid. It was incredible teaching. And when I look back, I think, I thought it was stories at the time, but now I can just jump into, wow, that was the truth. I know that's the truth. That's already instilled in me from a young age. And so the church is a place where broken people are welcome, which is all of us. <laughs> we all have something we're dragging around, something we're dealing with, something we're struggling through. And, and I apologize. I I'm one of those people has hurt many of you, and I apologize on behalf of the church for that. But at the same time, we need to take those things to Jesus and say, where are you in this? What do you want me to learn out of this? Where do I need to bring my brokenness? Where do I need to tweak my expectations of church leadership, of the church, of the people in my small group, of my small group leader? We all have our things that we have expectations of, and the Lord is really challenging me that are we going to persevere through this? Are we going to, when we get offended, are we going to just sit in that? I listened to preaching many years ago about the offense is the bait of Satan. And it's, it's such a good illustration where it's a hook with bait on it. And it's kind of just there in front of you, like, just take it, just take it. You have every right. You're justified in this. And uh, I, it, it was such a visual that stuck with me because so many times I take that bait and I just say, I'm justified in being offended. That person looked at me like that. <laughs> I went to that doctor and they treated me badly or overcharged me or whatever. And we all have our, our things and, and we are treat, mistreated in life. But what is our response to that going to be? Are we going to take the bait and sit in it and swallow it and just take that poison? Are we going to release that? Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. God has called us to be the light of the world, and I think we have a brilliant opportunity to practice that through load shedding, or we, an illustration. We see that so clearly. When you get that 10 o'clock shift, or even the 8 o'clock shift heading into winter, it just goes black. <laughs> Like, wow, that is dark. And you put on that one light in the lounge and the whole lounge lights up. I love that even in somewhere like small group, it just goes dark, put on the light. We're like, we're okay, we're going to carry on. And um, the Lord has called us to shine that light. And I think a lot of us, our light has got a bit dusty. We're, we're shining, we're there, we're standing, but it's a bit dim, it's a bit dusty. And what people see is a, a representation of Jesus, but not Jesus. It's a bit of Jesus, it's, a, it's an aspect, and we're, we're trying our best, and we're loving. Um, but I must say, I've seen in my own life recently, we, us as 
staff leadership went to the Louis, Gig Louis Giglio Passion Conference two weeks ago, and yo, I was shocked at just the hunger in me of just that live worship of coming to the Lord and just saying, Lord, I, I love you, I'm serving you, but what's more? What, what depth can I go to? Which made Debbie very nervous. <laughs> said, if Juliet's going deeper, we're in trouble. But I, I realized he doesn't know my heart. He doesn't see the things when I'm home alone and I think, oh, Lord, like, I don't hear you. I don't, the words on the page of the Bible don't jump out for me like they used to. And yet that is what he's called us to to contend for, to wrestle with, and where we feel that he's silent. Why is he sleeping? I know in my knower, as we call it, in the depths of my soul, in my spirit, man, that the Lord is alive. I don't doubt that. I've never doubted that. I've never been angry with God, but I've questioned, I've challenged. Um, and it's really made me stop and think that I want to be in that sweet place with the Lord, with intimacy, and just hearing his voice for every step, where where I blow it, that I run to him and not run to friends, that I can come and ask forgiveness quickly and not have my pride blocking for days, not give my daughter the silent treatment for three days, but be quicker. <laughs> and um, we all have areas that we need to grow in, but I, I've really been challenged that the Lord wants us in a space where we are enjoying life with him. And yes, the tough times come, the struggles come, but when we're in that intimacy with him, his perspective is so different. And I remember what, reading a book years ago where it spoke about a little child getting into an elevator. And as you go up in the lift and you look down, things get smaller. Or if you get an airplane and you fly over things, they look small. I think that must be God's perspective of a lot of things in our lives. He, he can see the end. He knows how it's going to end up. But when we're sitting in it, it seems massive. I had a big disagreement with my daughter on Valentine's Day. <clears throat> and I thought, great, I'm preaching on Sunday, and we're not going to talk until Sunday. This is just too big. I can't, can't get over this, can't move through this, and, and we did. And I just think when you're sitting in it, it seems so hard, so hard, and you, you struggle through it, but the Lord gives you his perspective, and he says, eternity. Where life on earth is like this compared to eternity, and when we see it in that perspective, we can be reminded that even pain, chronic pain, chronic illness, loss of a loved one is temporary. That pain is temporary. Even if it's 88 years long, it's temporary compared to eternity. And that excites me and that encourages me to keep going. <clears throat> I remember when um, I, I lived in China for many years and there was a, one of the missionaries with me we, we had some clashes, um, and I'm very servant-hearted, servant-gifted, and so it's very offensive to me or very hurtful if someone thinks I'm trying to take over or be in control or be in leadership, because that's never my intention. I never want to be a manager. I've never wanted to be a boss. I just want to serve the vision. Sometimes it's a cop-out, because you also don't have to be responsible, but uh, generally it's just, I want to serve, and um, this guy really just had a serious chat with me and he said you're trying to take over you're trying to control and I see what you're doing and I was shocked and it was really a hard space for me because we were on the mission field in China raising up disciples and I spoke to the missions directors who said like we know he's struggling in life and we understand if you want to leave the mission field this is a bit much for you to handle I mean I was in my early 20s and 
didn't really understand conflict and what to do. And I just remember weeping for probably way too long about it, but it was a big deal at the time. And I just felt the Lord say to me that, yes, you can, you can leave, but what about the people in the church that you have come to have a relationship with? If I leave, that guy will just be pleased, probably. <laughs> One less person. But what is the devastation? What is the consequence to the brothers and sisters in the church that I was walking and journeying with? And so I do work through that. I do say, okay, Lord, this is not about me. This is not about, this is unfair. And, you know, 20 years later, if I look back, I'm like, that was such a small thing. But in the moment, it was massive. It was disrespecting my very heart and calling my character um, to, yeah, checking my character, which was really hard for me. But it was a turning point in my walk with the Lord. Am I going to stay? Am I going to stick it out? And I think that that comes many times in the church. That comes many times in small group. That comes, Alice and I have been friends for many years, and we were talking the other day about how we've gone through many times where we've had conflict, and I think I've tried the silent treatment, but Alice is confrontational, so she doesn't let me get away with it for too long. Um, but just how we've also talked about our journey, where I phoned her at nine o'clock at night and said, I'm going to run away from home right now. And you need to come and look after my children because I'm a parent. I'm not allowed to run away from home. They're underage at, at the time they were. Um, and just how that I see that that conflict has come in to try and bring disunity and to bring that. There's a covenant relationship there that we share. And we need to fight for that many times where there's a bit of something. Alice is like, I feel there's something. And I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and then we have to work through it. And I'm so thankful because now we can stand and look back and say, Goodness, if I couldn't call you at that time, what would have happened to my kids if I did run away? Um, and, or if I did slam the door another time in my daughter's face? It would not help. So we follow Jesus and not men. And I think that is something, I'm a lover of men. I mean mankind. I don't have issues with men. <laughs> but we don't follow men and what they say, mankind. We follow God. And that's where... Leadership can be wrong, definitely. I've had counsel that was not wise before from leadership. And, and that's okay because we need to go to the Lord on those things. We can't say, but my pastor said, or he made me do it. Um, he doesn't have that power or authority. He, he has to stand before the Lord and he's responsible for what he says to us and what he does. But we are also going to stand before the Lord one day and say, just like Eve said, he made me do it. The man you gave me. We're going to have to be, we're going to be held account to what we did. So it's only in the storm that you discover what's on the inside of you and those around you. And that might sound negative or difficult, like on missions where there's jet lag. I'm not sure how Aubrey and Rista got engaged on missions because, yo, that's, maybe that was the evidence you needed, Aubrey. <laughs> But when jet lag sets in and you're dusty and you're eating food that you don't enjoy and you, you see a different side of each other. And I've, I've heard that the best relationships are formed through missions and that's the lifelong relationships because why? You see the authenticity of each other and that's beautiful because when we see who we really are and we stick together for life, that's even better. So I think that is where we, where we are vulnerable to share who we really are and we accept each other for that. That is powerful. There's certain aspects of God's character that we only see in a storm, where we're desperate for something. We're praying for healing for our 
for our mother. We, we contending for a friendship that's struggling or we have a child that's, that's struggling. We, we come before the Lord, we're desperate in that place and we see him move. There's so many times where I haven't had money and I'm just like, if I look back, I, I often tell my kids now when they, there's needs that they, well, there's wants, not needs, there's wants. And I say, the Lord has never left us one day without food. I have a car. I have petrol in my car. That's rich for South Africa. I have a house. We have beds, each of us. We have our own rooms. That is luxury. And I just remind them that, and remind myself in that, that where another bill comes and I think, where, where am I going to pay for this? And the Lord provides each time. I, I think I was telling Elias recently that um, I'm working on a budget, but I realize that it doesn't really work for me because I spend about 10 to 15 grand over what, I, what my income is every month just because medical bills and things. And um, so I live in that space and I see the Lord provide in many ways. I don't do that consistently on purpose. Just as stuff comes, I'm like, Lord, I've seen you in my life, in missions you've provided. And, and I have to remind myself because now that I have a fixed income, I... I feel nervous when, you know, it doesn't quite reach. And yet I lived entirely on support in missions for many years and traveled the world. I went to the States, Australia, many places that um, I had, you know, donations covering me. So why now do I change that perspective on the Lord? In the storm, we get a fresh revelation of ourselves. We see the good and the bad of those around us, the good and the bad, and who God is in the storm, which is only good. And that is when we're there, we get to see who's really around us and not judge them necessarily for not being there, but seeing the quality of who's around us. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't jump out of that boat. When the storm comes, don't jump out of the testing period. I think that's often where I've seen people leave church. You're in the testing period, and now you go, can't do this. This is too hard. He said, she said, my small group leader said, well, the next church is going to have a similar situation ready for you because you haven't walked through that and dealt with that. So let's not jump out of it too soon where the Lord's, um, no, where the Lord's working on things in our own character. James 1.12 said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is good news. Our suffering is temporary. The, Lord, the, the word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. And that is not a prosperity gospel. That is the truth. The gospel is good news because we have an eternal hope. Our anchor holds in the storm, praise the Lord, because it's in Jesus, not in our own understanding. We need to go sh shine our light. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. And Ross spoke two weeks ago about Elijah the prophet and how he had gone up against 800 bold prophets and seen fire come and was incredible and then he outran a pro he outran a chariot and then it's like incredible experiences and then Jezebel hears about it and wants to kill him and he goes to the wilderness and sulks and I want to die and I don't understand how he thinks the same Lord who had done that can't just either take out Jezebel or save his life somehow and 
I find myself in that situation many times where my pride sends me to the wilderness. And I say, Lord, but you've seen, especially with my kids, I have a wonderful pity party because I say, but Lord, I've given everything up for these kids. All my money goes into them. I could have been overseas and traveling the world. I, I have the finances for that, but I did the right thing. Do you see me? Ah, <laughs> oh, the Lord's shame. What does he have to put up with from us sometimes? I, I really, it's justified. And when I go to friends, they would say, oh, shame piece, that is hard. That is not fair. You give too much. You need me time. You need to have that is valid, self-care and me time, all of that, I, I get that, no worries, I go boxing for that, um, punch low now and then and I feel better about life, um, but ultimately, that is what the Lord's called me to and, it's, and I do it with great joy most of the time, it's when the tough times come, I go, oh, these children you gave me, Lord, so we really, yeah, we are not alone in this. The devil wants you to believe you are. He wants you to go into your pity party. And I'm sure we've seen those wildlife shows where the, the animal is on its own and the lion just comes and takes them out. And I often think of that when I think of offense or I think of isolation. We've had so many people in church who've, who've left because they say nobody cared, nobody came to me when I was sick or struggling and say, but did anyone know? Did your small group know? Are you in small group? No, but. I say, the Lord has called us into community. We bring something. So we need to come with our stuff. We need to share. We need to be in relationship, in community, and say, Lord, who have you called me to walk in community with and share with them? It's hard. It's vulnerable to share those things. Many times I, I want to be appreciated for this, and I feel horrible saying it out loud. It sounds very childish, but um, we want to be appreciated. We want to be known and seen. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So we are not alone in this. We are a, a light. We are a city on a hill. And we shine. But I'm not sure what we're all shining. And that's what I'm really feeling convicted about is making sure what is dimming my light. Where, is there, where are there things in my life? And I often look at my life and I think I'm that self-righteous older brother. Lord, I'm not like my younger brother in the pigsty. And right there is very big fat pride. <laughs> and it's hard to recognize pride <laughs> because you're doing right and good. Um, but we have to think of the, the future generations. We have to think of those who are watching us, who are seeing how we live our life. We've been given gifts that we're going to be held accountable for. Have, how have we used our gifts? The church is a great place to start. You can join a a serving team, if you're not sure what your gifts are, come and practice here. We will, we will receive you. And let's not give up meeting together. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So isolation takes us out. If we don't come, if we're not in community, if we don't share our hearts, it's risky. I have... Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a mother through foster care, so that is quite a complicated setup. <coughs> we are three moms in one family, and uh, it was my son's birthday yesterday, and after church, we're going to visit his biological mom for a, for a birthday party as well. And a lot of people don't always understand the complexities, and I can get 
offended through that sometimes and think, come on, why would you say that? But we've, we have gifts, we have talents, we can use them, we can share with people, we can even share our vulnerabilities and people can say the wrong thing back. If we're hurting and we share and someone says, oh, it's not that bad, oh, I've had it worse. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly how you feel. Counseling 101. You do not know exactly how they feel. Even if they also lost their father, it was just not quite the same. So we can choose to stop sharing. And I've, that's why I go to silent treatment mode generally, because I'll just stop sharing then if you don't get it. But the Lord has called us to step into those tough places because people learn and grow through that. Where we get offended and we repent and ask forgiveness and there's, reunif there's reunification, Re reconciliation. Then we learn from that. Every time I have a fight with my daughter, slam her door as I leave. I do all the door slamming. Um, I come back and I have to repent. And it's really hard sometimes. I have to go before the Lord and say, help me to remember what you did for me. Because that's, that's my easiest way to be reminded the quickest way. That I'm not deserving of anything more. That I am a mere human that I'm only a saint because of who I am in the Lord and not because of my deeds or because I'm a great person. I fail so many times. If you need that list, Alice has it updated. She knows all my mistakes. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that I get to go to the Lord and say, help me do this better. I don't want to mess up my kids. I don't want to mess up relationships with my brothers and sisters in the church. And there's many times I do it I don't even know. So you are welcome to come to me. I do not do conflict directly, but I'm trying, I'm learning, I'm growing, so you bring it to me, and we'll do an awkward dance, and we will sort it out, <laughs> because I want to be in right relationship, and we want to work through these things. All right, in closing, Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who I need, practice hospitality. <clears throat> Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, ouch, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We can't live at peace with everyone all the time, but we can definitely try. Offense will kill us if we don't kill it first. That is something Pastor Heinrich who shared earlier. He shared with us in our staff devotion that either way, the offenses will come, the difficulties will come, and does it take us out or do we first Take, take, them out, take it out. So today we have a choice. We can jump in the boat with Jesus and the disciples, which is us in this current situation. We can jump in. We can cross through that storm. Sometimes we know a storm's coming. We have to, like when you've got to perhaps do the right thing at work and you know it's going to cause a storm. You might even lose your job. Are you still going to get in that boat? Are you still going to go or are you going to wave? We don't always get a choice of what storm's coming or when it's coming, but we get a choice to be in the boat with Jesus or we can isolate ourselves. And that sounds much scarier to me that I'm going to ride a storm by myself with my own, using my own devices. I would much rather be in a family with you guys in a boat and say, let's do this together. We're going to link arms. We're going to row. We're going to do what we can. But more importantly, we're going to wake Jesus up, <laughs> who's not really sleeping. But we're going to say, Jesus, just as we shouted his name earlier, as we cried out to Jesus, we said, Jesus, help. I need you in this. And he shows us. So we're going to, the ushers can get the communion elements, please. We're going to take communion.
little bit differently today. <clears throat> I am, um, once the communion's handed out, I want you to take one, a, a cup and a cracker and just hold it, keep it. Um, once you've got it, we're going to play a music video that I'm sure a lot of you know this song, but you may not have seen this music video. And just want you to watch it in light of what I've shared, that we are a community. We need each other. When we're going through stuff, we have people we can call on. We have people we can go to. And if you feel through the song, through communion, as we're ending in worship afterwards, that there's something, either you have an offense with a brother or sister in church that you need to come and confess. There may be here, there may not be here. You can do it with them. You can come to the front and share with us. We can pray with you. If there's a family member you're offended with, struggling with, um, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, we really need to bring that to the Lord. And we'll be available in the front. We'll pray with you. Um, but we, we want to be able to have communion first. And you can think if there's anyone now already, you can start clearing your heart before you take communion. Um, the word says that we, we, we deal with those things before we come to the Lord for communion. I think, Peter, maybe you can just play it so long, then they can hand out. You can switch off the lights, please, those who are near lights. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Jesus 
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus So this morning, I want us just to take a, as a prophetic act, some have already taken it, oops, but I want you to share, give to someone else, swap it that we're like here for your brother and sister. If you've taken it or you're very sick and you shouldn't be sharing, the Lord sees your heart. That's all good. But share, we're going to end with a worship song after that. And if you need prayer, please come forward or you can pray, pray with someone next to you if you need to confess or repent anything. Let's just go into a time of worship, share with someone, bless them, pray over them, and then we will end in worship.